0: All right, we'll be in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 today, we continue our series on one. Today we're going to look at one Barnabas. Uh, We've talked about Barnabas before, but uh, there are few people in the Bible like Barnabas. Few people we read about in the Bible um, that had the ministry and the effect that Barnabas had uh, in their life. And I'd like to look at four things today regarding Barnabas's life uh, that I think can help us. And I think that it's, a, uh, I'll say this later, but I'll go ahead and say it now. I think Barnabas is one of the best examples in the Bible of a church member and the effect that a church member can have. And Barnabas ministered, and we'll talk about that, but um, I believe that the, the role that Barnabas played um, in his ministry is a role that, that every Christian can play, uh, that every Christian can do. But but we've got to have some of the same things that Barnabas had, and we'll look at those this morning. Acts chapter 4, let's just read two verses, starting at the end of the chapter, verse 36. Uh, This will kind of introduce us to Barnabas. It says, And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of Consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it, At the Apostles feet so this is how we're introduced to Barnabas it's the first verse we'll look at here this morning and uh, and and begin to see how we can be like this one Barnabas Lord I pray for your help this morning I pray that you would clear my mind I pray that you would uh, open my heart I pray that you do the same for everyone else Lord. that today we would receive exactly what you'd have for us to receive that we would learn exactly what you want us to learn Lord that we'd be challenged in the areas that you want us to be challenged. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and the honor. I pray that you'd help me to present these verses clearly and correctly. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we look here at this Barnabas fellow. And, uh, and I, I don't know how much you know about Barnabas. Like I said, I think I've preached one sermon on him uh, in the last year or two. Uh, and my brother um, Norris. Uh, talks about Barnabas as well. It's his ministry as the Barnabas International and assisting and helping and encouraging and edifying uh, pastors and churches. And that's what Barnabas did. And uh, so if we want to be the kind of person that I believe God desires for us to be, one that is encouraging and one that is edifying uh, to the believers, uh, then we can see some things in Barnabas's life that we can apply to our life. Let's start off by looking at number one today, the priorities of Barnabas. The priorities of Barnabas. We talk about priorities a lot and the need and how necessary it is for us to have our our Barnabases, our priorities set in the right place. And we see it in verse 37 here. It says that Barnabas, having land, he sold it and he brought the money that he got for the land and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Here Barnabas was saying, all that I have, I want it to be used uh, for the ministry of the gospel. I want it to be beneficial for the gospel. I want it to uh, have an effect on the gospel. Matthew 6, 20 says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. Uh, God tells us that our priority should be on the, the, the gain that we get in heaven, not the gain that we get on this earth. And Barnabas here understood that. And the land that he had, he sold it. I don't know how much land he had. But what he had he sold and then he brought the money and he, and he laid it at the apostles' feet for the use of the apostles, for the use of the church, for the use of the gospel to go further and to reach more people. The first step to being like this one Barnabas uh, is to get your priorities correct. The song, I Surrender All, starts off with all, uh, all to Jesus, I surrender all to Him, I freely give. Um, sometimes we give out of responsibility or out of duty sometimes we give out of guilt um, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation we don't take a, a ton of love offerings here obviously when we have speakers we do um, but I always felt like I had to give something and I always as I opened my wallet hope that I had a, a $1 bill in there and not just a 10 or not just a 20 and uh, you kind of get that that uh, that feeling like well i need to give something but all i have is more than what i want to give and uh, sometimes we give out of shame my mom tells the story of um, when we were young uh, my dad was on a trip so it's just my mom and me and my sister at church and the offering plate came around and she had uh uh, two different bills in her wallet she had a 20 and i think a five and she meant to put the five in and she put the 20 in and that was what was going to feed us lunch that day And she watched as the offering plate kept on going down and she knew, oh, no, I made a big mistake. Uh, But sometimes we give we give for different reasons. But here, uh, I believe that that uh, Barnabas was giving freely as the song says, all to him, I freely give. We should desire to give to God. Why? Because we we owe him everything. Nothing we have, we have because we, we earned it on our own. We have because God allowed us or God gave it to us. And, uh, and Barnabas had his priorities set on furthering the gospel. All that he had was for God's use. That's a good place to be in life. All that I have, not just my possessions, my abilities, my personality, everything that, that, that I have possibly to give, I give it to God so that God can use in the way He sees fit. My job, my family, my relationships, whatever it is, is, I'm going to let God have those things so that he can use it for the furtherance of the gospel, so that he can do what he wills with it. And Barnabas had his priorities where they needed to be. Most people, if you ask them about Barnabas, they're going to give you a, 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 a description of someone who was an encourager. We cannot be an encourager if we are a selfish. We just can't do it. We might be able to encourage some people in some areas, but at the end of the day, if we're selfish and we say whatever I get is mine, and, and people should give and help me, but I shouldn't have to give and help them, then we fall into this category of people who cannot encourage and help other people. Barnabas said, my priorities are on helping God do what God says that he will do. Does God need Barnabas' help? No. Does God want Barnabas' help? Yes. Just as he would desires our help as well. And here Barnabas said, uh, everything that I have, I've sold it all and I'm giving it now for the use of the gospel. Now think about that. If you own a house, what would you do if you sold your house and gave all the, the benefit of it, all the money that you got from it and give it to missionaries? You'd say, okay, that felt really good. And then you'd go to go home at the end of the day and you go, wait a second, where do I go? <laughs> what do I do? Well, I guess I'll just go hang out and eat somewhere. <laughs> Wait a second. Can't do that either. What am I supposed to do now? Barnabas uh, understood that, and I'm not telling you go sell your house and give all your money to the missionaries, okay? Uh, but Barnabas had his priorities set, and that's what you should have as well. God, everything that I have, if my house can be used to glorify you, if my house can be used to further the gospel, then, Lord, here's my house. Use it. Uh, if my finances can, can do something to help and the work of the ministry, then God, here's my finances, use it how you see fit. And uh, and God will do so. But the priority of Barnabas is the first step. If we have the same priorities, then we can be like this one Barnabas. Number two, we need to see the viewpoint of Barnabas. This is important. Look in chapter 9. We talked about this uh, when Brother Pereira was here, and he looked at this and mentioned this as well. But Acts chapter 9 and let's look in verse number 26. We'll read a few verses. Acts chapter 9 starting in verse 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they, the disciples, uh, they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them uh, coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him, which when the brethren knew, they they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied." We see here a couple of things. Number one, I want to see the viewpoint of Barnabas. Barnabas viewed Saul as God viewed Saul. Too often now we are viewing people in our eyesight, and our viewpoints, and refuse to look at them the way that God looks at them. That's why we fail to see the potential uh, for God uh, using people, because we look at them and go, well, why would God use them? That's why we uh, sadly fail to encourage people because we view them in their mistakes or in their downfalls or in their personality traits instead of viewing them the way that God views them. And here, Barnabas, it appears to be the only person who viewed Saul the way that God viewed Saul because Saul came to minister. Saul came to to join up with fellow Christians and to go out and reach the world, yet the fellow Christians said, ah, we don't want anything to do with Saul. Why? They were afraid of him. Why? Because of his past. Now, again, we can look at this and we can say, okay, common sense says, well, maybe we should be a little afraid of this Saul. What if he's lying? What if he's coming here to to deceive us and uh, uh, to, to find out where all the Christians are and then to take us prisoner? They had a natural fear about who Saul was. But Barnabas, he spoke up for Saul. He forgave Saul's past. And not only that, I think he forgot Saul's past in the way that God does. He put it away. I mean, we're not going to bring it up. We're not going to talk about that anymore. That's what Saul was, but it's not who he is anymore. And he goes on and he speaks for Saul. He says in verse 27, He took him and he brought him to the apostles and he declared unto them all that he had seen Saul do. All that he had heard about what Saul had done uh, for the gospel and proclaiming the gospel and preaching of Christ. And, uh, and Barnabas decided, when no one else is going to love Saul, I'm going to love Saul. Why? Because when no one else loved me, God loved me. And Barnabas here had a viewpoint that was different from all the other people in the church. And he stood up for Saul. And there was a result that happened because of it in verse 31. It said that the churches had rest uh, throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified in the walking in fear of the, the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost Uh, were multiplied. I think a few things happened as a result of Barnabas and and Saul. Number one, it's important to see that God did not change uh, the government. He changed the church. He didn't go out here and change what the government was doing. He changed what the church was doing. And now the church said, okay, Saul uh, um, is a believer. Saul is proclaiming the gospel. Saul is a brother in Christ. We need to bring him in, thanks to Barnabas. We need to bring him in, and, and and help him where we can. But then we see a few other things change. It says that they rested. Um, I believe that that as a whole, the uh, the attacks on the church began to lighten at this point. But I also believe the rest came because of the fear was placed in a different place. They feared Saul, and they feared the persecution that was going to come. Now they had rest... And their fear changed. It says later on in verse 31, they were walking in the fear of the Lord. Well, in verse 27, verse 26, they were afraid of Saul. They were walking in fear of Saul. And a fear of what would come if Saul was lying about who he was and what he was doing. And now their fear was in the right place. They put their fear in the right place. Listen, I'm as cautious as anybody. I'm as much a sissy as anyone. I say something that scares me, and I make sure that my back's against a wall and that I can see every angle and uh, that I know who's coming where and and I'm aware of who's around me. And uh, I'm as cautious as anyone else is. But we have to understand where our fear is supposed to be. We should not have fear and worry, but we should have fear, reverence, and understanding of who God is and what God is capable of and that God will again fulfill the promises in which He's given us. Not only that, the church was edified. It grew, uh, not just in numbers, but it grew as well in spirit, uh, maturity, I believe. All- along with that, it did grow in numbers because the Bible says at the end of verse 31, they were multiplied. Well, you're going to see a result of the gospel when you actually use the gospel. And here are the people were in fear, and I believe because they were in fear, they were not being as active as they were supposed to be. And then when they knew Saul was in town, they got more afraid. And they probably began doing the secret church and hiding out in the house and don't let anybody find out where we are. And then all of a sudden, Barnabas walks in with Saul, and they're going, what are you doing? We were hiding. It's like the kid who's playing hide-and-go-seek, and and, uh, and he starts talking to you while you're hiding. And you're like, seriously, I'm hiding. Well, maybe we should hide over there. Would you be quiet and go away, please? Uh, I don't know if you remember that kid growing up. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, here we see that the things changed because uh, a lot of the reason was because Barnabas's viewpoint was different than everyone else's. He had a viewpoint that God had. Barnabas saw Saul in the way that God saw Saul. and uh, And as a result of it, encouragement came, it it will um, truly make a difference if you'll love people the way God loves people. There's enough people who are going to judge other people that if you can just love them, it'll make a world of difference. People walk into church, if they're coming for the first time, they're already scared. Uh, They're already nervous. They don't know what they're walking into. They walk into this church and it looks different than any other church they've probably been in. Uh, They just need someone to love them. And uh, come up beside them and encourage them and, and, and welcome them in. Uh, Christians right now are hurting and there's Christians looking for a church right now. And they just need a church that's going to love them. Uh, and we've talked about love before and biblical love. But, but when they come in, they, they should come into a place where they find someone who's willing to come up. And when no one else knows who they are, when no one knows their name, someone that will just come up and love on them a little bit and encourage them. That's what Barnabas did with Saul, and I believe he did that consistently in his life. But we read about it here in the example of of how he was with Saul. And so we see the priority of Barnabas. God, everything that I have, I I want you to use it. We see the viewpoint of Barnabas uh, viewing people the way that God viewed people, and we see the great results that came from that. And I believe it will change the impact of our church if we will be like Barnabas was and view people the way God did. I believe that we will have rest from fear. I believe that we will uh, be edified, and I believe that we will grow. Number three, I want us to see the fruit of Barnabas. And we see some of it here in chapter 9, but look in chapter 11, Acts chapter 11. The fruit of Barnabas. And this is where I really think that we see the great example that Barnabas is as as a uh, church member, and we'll see it uh, more in a moment as well. But in chapter 11, let's look in verse 22. The Bible says, "...the tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord." see the fruit of Barnabas. Barnabas was an encourager. Barnabas was someone who would come along and and, say, and I think see the positive in people. And he would try to encourage other people to come alongside and to help. I've talked with our kids about this and was talking with one of my kids yesterday about a kid at school. And I was asking him, is he going to do this? And no, no, everybody else is, but he's not. I said, well, maybe you should encourage him to do it. And well, you know, he's, he's really not that good. That's not what I was talking about. Maybe you should just encourage him to get involved. And maybe with overtime, he'll get better. He's never going to get better if he never tries. And maybe he just needs someone to come along and be nice to him and and encourage him to get involved. And I think that that's what Barnabas was. I think he was the kind of guy who saw someone who, who didn't feel like they could be used of God. And we don't, we don't see this, but I, so I understand this is just my opinion. But I believe that Barnabas was the kind of person who would come along and see someone sitting by themselves in the church and no one talking to them. And he would go over to them and say, Hey, why don't you come with me and eat lunch with me? Or why don't you come and do this with me? And, uh, and try to help people get involved by, by coming alongside and assisting them, having a part in it. And, uh, and I think we see the fruit of that here in verses 20 through 24. Not only was he just uh, an assistant in helping other people, but he was active in doing what God wanted him to do because he comes to this church in Antioch, and he says when he got there, uh, he had joy because he saw the grace of the Lord. He exhorted them all uh, with purpose of heart or and fixed, and he said that they, uh, he exhorted them that they would cleave unto the Lord. He's preaching to them. That's what he's doing. He's here and he's preaching to them now. He comes in. When we think of Barnabas, oftentimes we don't think of him as a preacher. We think of him as a guy that helped the preacher. But he preached as well, and he came out and preached, and it says that the Lord uh, blessed it and that much people was added unto the Lord. Uh, he did not just assist, but he also proclaimed the gospel. And we see that many people were added to the church because of it. Don't ever believe that you're not able to present the gospel. Uh, Don't don't be of the mindset that, well, I can only help the preacher so that he can present the gospel. Uh, But you can and you should be presenting the gospel. Don't ever fall in because we we, oftentimes as we look at Barnabas as an assistant, as a helper, as an encourager, we sometimes fail to remember that he was also a proclaimer of God's word. You don't have to be a a called preacher to to proclaim the gospel. Um, As a matter of fact, God commands all Christians to do so. And Barnabas did just that. He did not just assist, he also proclaimed you should assist. You should assist the pastor in presenting the gospel. We do that through church, through being active and being involved and doing different things in the church. Uh, I tell you, we determined when we started the church that we were never going to do everything, we didn't want to be the ones who did everything in the church. Um, as much as I, I I like to have control I do I, I like I feel like if I do it it'll get done the way I want it to get done and uh, and I'll be happy with it if no one else is uh, but uh, but God has grown me and understand and shown me the importance of other people doing things and and I've had to step back and I've watched things get done the way that I didn't want them to get done or not get done completely to to, the, to my satisfaction but it was also at the same time such an encouragement to see other people doing things and and by you being involved in the church and by you doing the things that that god has gifted you to do within the church then you assist in the proclaiming of the gospel every sunday and and that's important and we need to be doing that and then on top of that we need to be proclaiming the gospel at work at home with our neighbors in our community uh wherever we can we need to be proclaiming the gospel and barnabas did that and there was a fruit from it people were being added to the church, people were being the church was being multiplied. Therefore, being people were being saved, and it was a result of Barnabas's faithfulness, and there was great fruit that came from it. So we see the priority of Barnabas, Lord, all that I have is yours. We see the viewpoint of Barnabas, God, you loved me, so I'm going to love Saul, or anybody else who comes in the way. I'm going to view them the way that God uh, views them. We see the fruit of Barnabas that comes with it. Then we see the partnership of Barnabas. And this is what we are. We are a family uh, in Christ. We are adopted into God's family if we are saved. And, uh, And we are now brothers and sisters in Christ, and we should partner with them. There are times where I look at my children and I say, you guys are brothers. They're fighting and squabbling and being mean to each other. And I'll say, you guys are brothers. No one in this world should love you more than you love each other. And there's going to be fighting and there's going to be things that go on and disagreements, but at the end of the day, you're family. And that should be a very strong bond. As Christians, and being part of the family of God, there should be a strong bond with fellow Christians. It's why I can meet someone while I'm out uh, killing bugs and we get to talking. and, And I try to gear those conversations as much as I can to church without getting fired and uh and and I have some great conversations with fellow Christians in Lexington. And they don't come to our church and some many times they don't go to a church anything like ours. Uh, but we can have a conversation and immediately there's a bond there that's different from other people. Uh we are if we're saved and we are brothers and sisters and we should partner with each other to do what is necessary. And we see that in Barnabas. Look in verse 25. It says, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus. We're in chapter 11, verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Sarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. We see here that Barnabas says, um, I think I can help, help Saul. So I'm going to go partner with him. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get together with, with, with Saul. And they got together, and they went to Antioch, and they, they established themselves in this church for a year and uh, were just faithful and working in the church. I don't believe Saul was the pastor. Paul, I don't think he was the pastor. Neither was Barnabas. They came alongside. They assisted. They helped. And uh, I believe uh, Paul, you can call him whatever you want. Some people call him missionary. I think he was more of an evangelist personally. Uh, but either way, they, they, were, they were doing the work of an evangelist. They were getting the gospel out. They went from church to church and assisted and helped, and they partnered together to do just that. And this is where I think we see the full gamut of Barnabas being the great example, other than Jesus, probably the best example uh, for church members. The understanding of of seeing what Saul's gifts were, Paul's gifts were, and saying, I can go help him, and we can be effective with the gospel too many times we are concerned about a title we're concerned about a position we're concerned about recognition that we don't go along and help people do what God has called us to do instead we try to do it on our own Um, I'm careful as a pastor with recognition I want to thank people when they do stuff and I probably don't do it enough I want to thank people when they do something I want them to know that I'm thankful for them and what they do in our church but I also don't want us to ever get to the point where it's, it's the, you know, the pastor said something about me from the pulpit. Now I'm something special. Um, you know, well, uh, now everybody knows that I did that good. I'm glad he got noticed. We all want things to get noticed, right? We don't want to do something and no one know about it. Um, my <laughs> when my wife goes away uh, for a trip like the ladies retreat and she comes back and I'm all excited about the things that I did for her and she doesn't notice them. Um, or she notices the things I didn't do for her, and I'm always like, "Wait a second, I worked hard." And she said, "I doesn't look like it, uh, you know." And and uh, and oftentimes we as men have that problem where we think we did something big, and uh, boy, we sure made a difference in the house today. And, uh, and and we only did one out of the 20 things that need to get done. You know, Barnabas, I don't think he cared about being recognized. He didn't mind being Paul's helper. He didn't mind being the, the, the person who just came alongside and encouraged other people to get involved. It didn't matter to him. He just wanted to do what he could to help the impact of the gospel. And I think as a church member, from pastor down, as church members, Barnabas is an example to us. Why? Because he was willing to, to help people. He was willing to, to, to go alongside and assist. He also was faithful in proclaiming the gospel and doing what he should do. But he assisted Saul in the ministry to help in ways that we just don't see many other people in the New Testament do. We don't read of uh, all these people. What we read about is guys who went and preached. Uh, We read about the disciples and what they did and the apostles and what they did. And we read about Peter and we read about Paul and we read about uh, Timothy and and Titus and different people that were being trained up and brought up underneath guys and and go out and and pastor churches and did different things. But we read about this one guy, Barnabas, who says, I'm just gonna come along and help wherever I can help. I'm just gonna come along and do whatever I can do. And we need more of those people in churches across America. We need less people who say, well, I've got to be the teacher. Well, if I can't teach, then I'm not, I'm not gonna do anything. We don't have that attitude in our church, and I'm so grateful for it. Um, what I've found is, is many people who have to have a position, um, they won't be there very long as they have it for selfish reasons. Um, I'm thankful for our church at Indiana and how the Lord used it to, to prepare us for this church. We had many good people in the church, and when I, when I was brought in as pastor, there were three assistant pastors. None of them were paid. They were all just by title assistant pastors. Um, uh, two of them, after I came in, stepped down or no longer held the title anymore. One of them I don't believe biblically uh, qualified for it, and he didn't agree with me, but he understood that's how I felt, and so he stepped down graciously and was a faithful member of our church and a great encouragement to me in all the all three years that we were there. Another man, I went to him and I just asked him. Um, I said, uh, I said, so what do you do as an assistant pastor? And he said, I don't really know. He said, I just they they gave me the title, and I said, well, do you mind if if we take away the title? And he said, not at all. I could care less. And I said, okay. So we'll do that. So we, we got rid of that, and we just had one assistant pastor. I'm thankful for that. We had another person who, um, who I took out of a teaching position because they were not faithfully attending church. They would come to teach, and that was about it. They were never sitting in a service, um, or very rarely in a service. And, uh, and, and you know, they got mad, left the church. And his wife called and said, you know, well, you just it really made him feel good to teach. And I understand what she was saying. Uh, it, it feels great to help kids and, and uh, to see them come in from, from rough experiences at home and to, to see their their faces light up when they see you and to have an opportunity to spend an hour with them each week and just teach them and, and play with them and have a good time with them. That, that, that does feel good. But that's not why we teach classes. I don't want someone teaching my kids who doesn't come to church. There's no reason for that. It, it doesn't make any sense. But, I, well, if I don't have this position, then then why would I even come to this church? That mentality is just its blatantly wrong. Barnabas, he, I don't think he cared about a title at all. But Barnabas was obviously a person that his church felt like, hey, he could be a help because they sent him. <laughs> uh, it was somebody that Paul and Saul, uh, the same person, uh, that, that they, uh, uh, he felt was a help to him for many years. And they would go around and they would, they would uh, have ministry and they would do ministry and they saw churches grow and helped and churches started, I believe, and, uh, and helped as the Christians were spread out because of the persecution uh, and different churches were going on and Saul and Barnabas would come by and they would, they would help these churches and, and I think give them some foundation and, 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 and help them to grow and reach people. And what we see from Barnabas is this willingness to be a partner, come alongside to assist to help to do whatever is necessary to get the job done, to accomplish what God's will was. I'm thankful for the example I have in my life of my dad and his willingness to just do whatever he can in a church. To do, He was a, a deacon but before he was a deacon he was just doing whatever he could to help. He liked to cook so he'd cook for things. He'd like to organize so he'd help organize events in the church And before he was a deacon. Then when he was a deacon he did that plus more I'm thankful for other people that have been in our church here, that have been in our church in Indiana, that have been in churches that I grew up in. You could just tell they were always willing to get involved and just to do and whatever it takes. They didn't need a thank you from the pulpit. Everybody wants a thank you. Everybody appreciates a thank you. But they didn't have to have one. I had someone who sang a special in a church in Indiana. And I went down it was a beautiful song. We did a great job with it. I said thank you for that. Um, and I went into my Sunday sermon. They didn't come to church for a couple weeks, and um, the man who was an assistant that, that that wasn't an assistant anymore called me and he said, "Hey, just give me a heads up. Um, might want to reach out to these folks. They're a little upset. Uh, they, they they she thought that you should have should have said more about her special than you did." Um, now I responded to him with, "Well, no, I'm not going to do that because that's not why we sing specials." I I reached out to the family, but I wasn't going to say, "Oh man, I'm really sorry. I should have said so much more about your singing. It was beautiful. She was the best singer in the church, Um, and she knew it." And they left the church, and 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 it was what it was. It wasn't about being a partner in the church and doing what was necessary to help the church. It was, well, I need to be seen because I'm such a good singer. We can't get into that mentality. I've got to hold a position and I've got to have a title and I've got to have uh, um, acknowledgement and things like that. Barnabas says, um, everything that I have, Lord, it's yours. Barnabas says, hey, that person over there, maybe no one else sees the potential in them. No one else sees how God can use them, but but God loved me and I should love them the way God loved me. I should love them the way God loves them. So I come alongside and I assist and I help and I, I view them the way God views them. Then Barnabas went out and did what he was supposed to do, and there was fruit from it. There was fruit from it because he was proclaiming the gospel, and he saw churches grow because of it. And then Barnabas was a partner. He just said, I'm going to come alongside and help whoever I can help. In this case, it was Saul. that They had a little uh, dispute uh, uh, in the next couple of verses. Uh, uh, Barnabas' cousin or nephew, I forget which one, uh, Mark had been with them before, and he kind of left them uh, in not the greatest way. And uh, so they were going to go again on another trip, and Barnabas said, Hey, Paul, let's take uh, uh, Mark with us. And, and Paul said, No, we're not taking him. And you can argue about the mentality behind it, uh, but Barnabas said, Well, if we're not going to take, then, then go. take Mark, then I'm not going to go. And Paul said, If we are going to take Mark, then I'm not going to go. And, uh, so, so they, I, I believe in the end, um, I believe God used their, their separation, but, uh, uh, Barnabas took Mark and they went on a trip and Paul took, uh, was it Timothy? I forget now. And they, Simon uh, Cyrus, uh, yes, Silas, sorry. And they went on a trip, went to prison. Um, and, uh, but, uh, uh, and then they began branching out. I think that's the way we're supposed to do it. We train up people. And then once they're trained and discipled, then we can get them to turn, disciple somebody else. And we disciple someone else. And we go out and it becomes this massive uh, tree branch and, and, uh, and we see all the fruit that comes from it. But Barnabas as a whole, when we look at his life, we see him as a unique person in the Bible. There were others, but not very many that we read about in the Bible. A unique person that had a priorities in place. Are your priorities in place? Um, we sing the song, all to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give, yet still, we're still holding on to stuff, having freely given everything. now You're willing to give all that you have to God for God to use the way He wants to use it. How do you view people? I hope that we view them as Barnabas does. I hope that when we see people, we see what God sees in them, we love them, um, and, and we try to come along and help them that we stand up for people who need to be stood up for. Um, we had a guy in our church, I think I've told you this before, in Indiana, and, and uh, he felt like God was calling him to preach, and, and, um, and a lot of people in the church kind of just took it as, well, that won't last very long. He'll fade out eventually. And that was sad, and it was discouraging, uh, but today he's a pastor uh, in a growing church, and uh, I believe part of that was because he had some people who came alongside and said, hey, we're excited about this. What can we do to help? Um, I made him the song leader. Uh, he, he was not excited about that, but he was talking about starting a church. I said, well, if you're going to start a church, you're probably going to have to leave music. And uh, I said, so you're going to lead the music for our services. And, uh, and uh, he was not excited, but he did it willingly. And I believe he has someone, uh, he leads his music sometime, but I think he has someone else that helps as well. Uh, but I'm thankful for him, and, and, and we just need to come up with those people that, that everyone else will look at and say there's no chance for them. Well, let's encourage them. Let's let's come alongside and view them as God does. Uh, have some fruit. You're not going to have fruit unless you're laboring, unless you're working. Uh, go out and proclaim the gospel. Go out and help people. Encourage people biblically. Um, and, and watch the fruit come. And then be a partner. Be a partner in this church. I'm thankful everybody's doing something. I'm thankful for that. And uh, there's going to come a day where it's going to get a lot harder um, to, to have everyone doing something every Sunday. But or every week, but, um, but as long as we can, we're going to. And I uh, thank you for your part in that, and uh, jumping in and helping in different ways. And um, I cannot explain to you, maybe you understand it, but I can't explain to you how much it means to me and Katie to have a church that's willing to do stuff. Um, you know, those early days when we didn't have anybody or just a few people coming, um, before we even uh, chartered the membership and things like that, um, I was working, Katie was babysitting, and we were driving from Versailles, and we were doing everything, and it was hard. And uh, I'm thankful from the moment we had our first members, we had people that were doing stuff and helping out. and um, it, it is uh, an amazing encouragement to me as the pastor to have people who are willing to partner with me uh, in this ministry. And uh, and that's exactly what you're doing, I encourage you to keep doing it, just as Barnabas did. Be that one Barnabas. If we can have a church full of Barnabas-type uh, mentalities. It'll change the way that people view our church. I say that I don't know. I don't think people view our church negatively, um, but it will help with the way people view our church as they come. I, we've been meeting with visitors that have been coming and talking with them. They've all said how kind our church is and and uh, and how loving our church is. And so thank you for that. Continue to be that. Be a Barnabas to the visitors that come in. Um, I we do have people in Central Kentucky right now. That are looking for a church because of situations in their church, and, and they just they need some encouragement right now. Um, it's, it, it's it's heartbreaking, and uh, so be a Barnabas to them, lift them up, encourage them, edify them, uh, love on them, and then also other people who, who aren't in church and they come and visit the church. Uh, don't view them in fear of them. View them in the fear of the Lord, and uh, and be what you're supposed to be to them. Love on them. And uh, thank you how you do that. And I pray that you'd continue to do that uh, as we continue on. Be that one Barnabas. Lord, I pray for your help. I pray that you continue to make us encouragers. Lord, that we would, uh, again, that we would uh, view people the way that you view them. I think that's one of the best things that that Barnabas did. As when everyone else was afraid of Saul's past, Barnabas said, forget that this is what he's doing now this is how God's changed him and these are the things that he's doing let's let's join with him let's let him join with us and let's uh, reach the world and uh, Lord I thank you for the example that Barnabas is to us and I pray that we would be exactly what you want us to be to each person that we come across Lord I do pray that you'd bless our church and that you'd grow it I pray that you would always no matter um, how we grow Lord I pray that you would always uh, make our church a friendly welcoming church. Lord, that we would love people uh, the way that we're supposed to. Make us like Barnabas. And Lord, use us to help other people, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.